What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What's up, Chris? What up, what up, Chaz? We got another fire show for you guys this week. The Heat take a 3-2 lead against the Sixers and are on the brink of eliminating the second place possible MVP of the season. And is John Morant out for the rest of the playoffs after Golden State takes a 3-1 lead? And Boston ties the series with the Bucks, and can Luca pull off the upset? Plus, we got another special guest, Nick Hamilton, on tonight discussing the Genie article, Genie Bus article uh, that Bill Plasky wrote in the LA Times, and of course, we got your social media posts of the week. But we got to start off with the most recent and what happened with the Sixers and the Heat. The Heat completely blow the doors off the Sixers, run them off the court in Miami in game five and win by almost 30 points uh, in a 77 to 104 route of the Sixers. And James Harden didn't have it. it seemed like Joe B didn't have it. And I feel like the Heat just came out right at the gate and punched them in the mouth. Chris, what do you make of the Heat taking this 3-2 series lead? And is the series over in six or are the Sixers going to be able to bounce back and force a game seven? Yeah, Philly just – they talk about laying an egg right there. Um, yeah, they they did not look good. After two inspired performances back at the Wells Fargo Center, Joel Embiid really gave them an injection that they were missing in the first two games of this series. And, you know, I got to tip my cap to Joel Embiid. Uh, playing through a torn ligament in his thumb, getting a mild concussion and an orbital fracture, and yet here he is giving – the city of Philadelphia, given the Sixers organization, his teammates, everybody, everything he's got. And on, on the heels of that still comes up, uh, coming up short in the MVP. I, I mean, as much as I was happy for Nikola Jokic, let's be honest, people believe that Joel Embiid deserved that award. And uh, Embiid still not making any excuses. He was not good in game five. The Sixers as a team were not good. Miami got back to the balance and the three-point shooting that that they've really been riding to the number one seed all season long. And now one win away from their second Eastern Conference Finals appearance in the last three years. Uh, but yeah, I, it was a disappointing loss for, for Philadelphia. And for whatever reason, they're, even with Embiid, their game is not translating to the road. And Miami came in, guns blazing. Yeah, Jimmy Butler had 23 points, but they had seven in double figures, Chaz. Seven. That's the Miami Heat we know that we did not see in Philadelphia where it was basically Jimmy Butler and the Pips. So that was the big difference in that game. And I think Miami has learned their lesson. They're going to go into Philly and probably uh, close them out on Thursday night. Uh, I don't know about that because Tyrese Maxey only had nine points. Danny Green only had six points. These are players that have had over 30 points uh, a couple times in the playoffs. And Tyrese Maxey, James Harden came back down to earth with only 14 points, Joel Embiid didn't even scratch 20 points tonight. The entire team was off. And at the same time, the Miami heat were just on. I think that the Sixers can force a game seven. And I think it's going to be pretty, it's going to be tough overall, but I think that they can do it now moving on to John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies coming up short. And it's, 
it sucks because this was such a good series up until Golden State really, you know, took game four. They didn't even take it seriously at first from what it looked like. And game three, Ja, you know, had a bone bruise. And what it looked like is that initially Jordan Poole, you know, did kind of like a push-pull on his knee slightly. But it turns out that uh, John Morant bumped knees with Jordan Poole moments right before that. And on the art and on the video, uh, it looked like Ja was, you know, uh, having his knee, uh, you know, pulled in and out. So I don't want to say that Jordan Poole did that on purpose. Was it a weird looking or possibly a dirty play? I don't know if it was dirty. Uh, I think it was just unfortunate. And, you know, that's kind of, we like as Laker fans know all about Brome boozes. So, <laughs> With John, with uh, Kendrick Nunn is who I'm yeah. referencing. By the with way, Golden he State, still hasn't recovered from that. Yeah, he's, I mean, <laughs> hopefully he's good by next year. We, I mean, that'll be the worst $10 million investment that the Lakers have ever made. Mm. But getting back to Ja and the Golden State Warriors, do the Golden State Warriors close them out in five? And is the series over? Do they get some rest going into the West Finals? Or do you see Memphis possibly um, being able to sneak in another game at home uh, in Memphis for game five. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the Grizzlies gave it everything on, on Monday night and minus John Morant, they've won a lot of games this year. I think they were 20 and five without John Morant. So yeah, it's a devastating injury because their one and only win of this series came on the heels of a John Morant, 47 point. I mean, thunderous, tremendous performance. So the problem now is, and you saw it on Monday night in game four, if they're in a close game with the Warriors, who is that closer? Is it, it ain't Dylan Jack? Brooks? It's not, it's Dylan, not Brooks. Dylan Brooks after that it's, terrible shot. Right. That's back three when you're up one. Terrible shot. Same exactly. stuff that they was doing in that Minnesota series. Man. Yeah. And that's the issue with the Memphis Grizzlies is they could compete. They might even be better defensively without John Morant, but in a close game, you are not going to be able to beat the Golden State Warriors without John Morant. Who's going to be that closer? You even said it can't be Dylan Brooks. It can't really be Desmond Bain. Tyus Jones is respectable, but he's not a true closer. I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr., I thought played one of the, the best games of the series and probably even the playoffs. But when it mattered, Draymond Green locked him up, including a block on a three-point attempt, which was sort of ill-advised to begin with. But still, that's how you knew this Grizzlies team is not ready, and they're certainly not going to be ready without Ja. Now, can they ride the wave of the home court advantage, of the energy of the crowd, and force this series uh, to a game six back in San Francisco? Maybe. Uh, role players tend to play better at home, right, as we've seen in the Philly-Miami series. But if it's a close game, you got to you got Steph to battle with. You've got Clay to battle with. You've got Jordan Poole to, to battle with. They don't have that true go-to guy. I mean, they're going to have to do it by committee and that may not be enough. So Golden State stole a game for the second time in this series that they probably should have lost. And now they are one win away from going back to the Western Conference Finals. So I think Memphis's goose is cooked. They are absolutely cooked. As the meme, uh, oh man, what was, what was that meme? <laughs> Oh man, my man said he was. I'm they. I'm cooked. They are cooked, bro. <laughs> hey, um, Chef Curry's going to be cooking them up, even though is, he hasn't shot the ball that well. But yeah, <laughs> this is going to tell me this next game, game five, for me personally, is going to tell me if the Warriors are going to win the championship or not. Because if they can go into hostile territory in Memphis 
with a healthy big three in Dre, Clay, and Steph with no John Morant and close them out in five and get themselves some rest going into the West Finals, that tells me that they're re- ready to win a championship. Yeah. But if they go into this game in the same, with the same approach like they did in game three and game four, where they were able to just squeak it out and turn it on late in the second half, Memphis is going to be riding that momentum and they're not going to be able to win that game, the Golden State Warriors, and it's going to be coming back to San Francisco. And now you're drawing out a series that, you know, quite possibly, you know, could go seven if the Golden State Warriors don't take care of business. So talking about other series that are also could be turning points, the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. This has been one of the best series, I think, in the entire playoffs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Between game one and game two with, with Giannis coming back and then game three with, uh, you know, the Bucks getting a close win on Saturday, this past Saturday, and then game four with Jason Tatum hitting a huge three and coming up huge in that fourth quarter and Al Horford coming up huge as well yeah. with over 30 points for the first, for the first time in, I don't know, however many years. No, that was a career high. That was a new career, was high, a career high. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I thought that that technical foul on Al Horford when he dunked on Giannis was bogus. I thought that the first fa- technical foul by Giannis when he dunked on Al Horford to even get him started was bogus because when you dunk on somebody, you should be able to start a little bit. But Chris, I pose the question to you with this, with this series tied Two two, going back to Boston, are the Celtics going to be able to just take out the champs, or is Giannis and the Bucks going to have something to say about that? This forcing a game seven, or even closing it out in six themselves. This is the series that I think can go the distance at this point. Uh, I do think though, if you're Boston, you got to be feeling pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's a split. Anything could happen. We saw Milwaukee take game one from them. They've played well without Chris Middleton, but you got to think they were in a position to win that game three. Milwaukee got away with one. Milwaukee probably should have won game four. And this is sometimes this is when you have a series between two really competitive teams that are fairly evenly matched, even though Milwaukee is down Chris Middleton. These things have a way of evening themselves out, right? Boston should have won game three goes to Milwaukee. Milwaukee was up 10. Or eleven, I think, in the in the late unbelievable the, that they uh, blew that quarter. lead. Yeah, they surrender forty four to Boston, forty four points on a night where Brown did not have a good game, Smart didn't have a good game, Tatum was sort of laying in the weeds, but Al Horford stepped up. Unbelievable. The 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 one guy. I mean, go back to what Bruce Brown said. Oh, if Al Horford's out there, we're we're gonna we're definitely gonna be targeting him on pick and roll. Yeah, try targeting him now. Yeah, good Al luck. Hor- Al Horford came in. I mean, that was vintage Al Horford. That was that was a level we've never seen before. And uh, no, so what, what I'm saying is these, these situations where you say Boston should have won game three, but Milwaukee should have won game four, it leads to the same thing. The series is now tied 2-2. The question is, can Milwaukee get back to moving the basketball? We haven't seen Grayson Allen or Pat Connaughton or some of these other role players who've been big for them since Middleton went down have that same sort of impact. Yeah, so they if, they, if they're going to win this series, they're going to need those guys to step up and it cannot be Giannis or Drew Holiday going one-on-one that, like we've seen in, uh, in the last couple of games because you might be able to get away with it for one game, but you're not going to get away with it for, for two games, which is what you're going to need, obviously, to take this series. So I think Boston's in the driver's seat, but I'm not ready to sleep on Milwaukee yet. If Milwaukee can get back to moving the ball consistently – like they were when in game three specifically, 
then they can win the series in six because Giannis is going to put them over the top. I expect for him to have huge games in game five and game six. When you win back-to-back MVPs and win a championship and a finals MVP, not only your abilities, but your confidence are at an all-time high. And I expect Giannis to have huge 42 and 15 type games uh, coming up in yeah, yeah, these but next Chaz, couple games. Let me interrupt you, though. They don't need that necessarily. Yes, they could use 42, but they need those other guys to have 15 to 20 points, meaning Connaughton, Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis, George Hill. I mean, maybe not 15 from George Hill, but they're going to need big performances. Brooke Lopez, too. They're going to need two or three of those guys out of those five guys to step up and give Giannis and Drew Holiday some support. Correct, but you definitely need a big game out of Giannis in order to do anything for the rest of this series. And and that's what I'm anticipating. So with that being said, there is one more series that is tied currently that by the time we're done recording this podcast will not be tied. And that is the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns. Can Luca pull up the ups, pull up, pull off the upset, sorry, uh, against the Phoenix Suns and go up three, two. It's possible they're up. Currently, as it stands in the second quarter during this recording, and uh, I just think that Luca's going to be able to pull off the upset if he wins this game. I'm actually praying that he does. For Suns yeah. fans, <laughs> you have bloviated and you have talked so much trash as if you had won something almost even probably as worse as Clipper fans have done in recent years. Or, or Nick, Minnesota fans. I, I just don't. I just don't think that these guys and you know we're gonna have nick hamilton come on in a minute but chris do you think that luca can pull off the upset or does this series have six or seven written all over it for phoenix to pull it through well it's the same thing when luca has scored 40 or more they're not winning when luca's scoring 24 to 26 and guys like brunson and dinwiddie and kleba and and all these other role players uh, davis berton dorian finney smith when those guys are making shots that is when Dallas is at their best. When Phoenix is at their best is when Chris Paul or Devin Booker are taking over the fourth quarter, specifically Chris Paul, because Devin Booker has been doing his job these last couple of games. He's dropping 30 points, 30 plus points. Where's Chris Paul been? And for all this talk about Chris Paul being the point God and, and all this other stuff. And yeah, Chris Paul is a very talented player. He's sure-handed uh, uh, Hall of Famer one day. This is the reason why he's a tier below these other greats because there have been times when his team has leaned on him and needed a great performance out of him, and he has not delivered. So this game five and and this game six coming up, this is going to tell you exactly what you need to know about Chris Paul because if he could take over the fourth quarters like we've seen in the Pelican series, like we saw in the first two games of, of this series against Dallas, that is what will get Phoenix over the hump. So for Dallas, it's about the balance, very similar to what we what we've said about Milwaukee and Miami. And for Phoenix, it's CP3. I think you know what you're going to get out of everyone else. But if CP3 does not step up specifically in that fourth quarter and give Devin Booker some support, Phoenix could be out, and How's Dallas it could down? be moving on. How's it going to go down? I still me. got I still got Phoenix in seven, but once again, watch Chris Paul. That's all it's, I'm going to say on that. It's tied at 40 currently in the second quarter. Who wins game five? Yeah. Phoenix. Well, the infamous Genie Bus article with Bill Plasky that will be discussed with our colleague Nick Hamilton coming up on the other side of the break. 
You know what? Here's to going for it. And being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all. Even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? <laughs> Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum podcast. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. And of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue started. You could also follow us on our website, www.nightcastmedia.com, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T, media.com, created by the great Nick Hamilton, who should be joining us any minute now. Uh, and Chaz, as we thought the Lakers season was in our rearview mirror, in comes Bill Plaschke. In comes an LA Times exclusive with Lakers governing owner Jeannie Buss, who we've seen a very good portrayal of on Winning Time by Hadley Robinson. But now she's talking for the first time since the season ended, how disappointed she was kind of putting out some fires, uh, clearing the air about uh, LeBron James and, and Rich Paul's role with the team, Linda Rambis's role with the team, how disappointed she was and how this season went with Russell Westbrook and, and, and the situation with Frank Vogel. I know you were very passionate about it. I mean, people hadn't even had their coffee if they saw your, your tweet about what exactly that article meant to you and your your thoughts on Jeannie. So before we get Nick in, I just wanted to kind of get your point of view on what that article meant to you and specifically what Jeannie had to say about how the season went. Personally, I love Jeannie Buss because she is Jerry Buss's daughter. He essentially handpicked her to run this franchise. Uh, he thought it was going to be Jim, but it turns out that Jeannie was the better person that was suited for the job and I think she's had her times and it's been rough and I think she's made it harder for herself at times I'll admit I'll admit that but I think she has been the right person for it and I think she's doing as good of a job as she can do under the circumstances now I've been very critical critical of her over the years I was critical of her before when you know she talked about keeping her promise to get rid of Jim Buss if he didn't have everything ready in three years, uh, which was back in 2014 when she made that promise. I, I was very critical of her in 2019 in, during the coaching search before she hired Frank Vogel and, you know, being trying to make sure that Kurt Rambis was involved. Phil Jackson was involved, but none of us really knew that at the time. We found that out later in picking Frank Vogel um, after Tyron Lue and Monty Williams, the current reigning coach of the year, turned down the Lakers job because they wouldn't even offer him a five-year deal. I mean, I've been very critical of her, but I think that what she spoke to in this article was very, very important into answering a lot of the questions that we as Laker fans and Laker 
you know, media members and, and people that follow the team and cover the team, um, the questions that people naturally have. And she answered those questions directly. And one of my favorite quotes in what she said is this, is she said, absolutely, when asked if this means eventually making changes, she said, I've got to make it better. Absolutely, if we're not living up to this, the Lakers standard, absolutely, I will look at everything. I will make the hard decisions because that's what you have to do. And she referenced her dad in so many different parts of this article, which I love because it, it it's during a time where we're watching winning time and it's literally coming off the heels of the season finale. If I spoil it for you, I'm sorry, but Jerry Bust in the show tells her, you know, hey, who should we pick? And he's bringing up her brothers when Claire Rothman later on in the show says, hey, it's going to be you. You're going to be him, meaning that Jeannie Buss is going to be pretty much the governor or the owner of the Lakers. So I just love that we get perspective in some of the things that she said. Now, there are parts where you can definitely push back. She defended Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis. And I like what she had to say about Linda Rambis, Rambis and saying that, you know, she her job is really to take care of the players that come onto the team after they're the Lakers. She doesn't make any basketball decisions at all, but she did say that she's her general advisor. Could she be advising her on basketball decisions? Absolutely. But she does confirm that Phil Jackson and Magic Johnson are in her ear. She confirms that Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis are in her ear. She confirms that Rob Palenka, obviously, as the executive VP and the GM of the team, um, he, she compliments him and says that she, he has her full support. I mean, all the way down to LeBron James, as well as Rich Paul. Joining us now from Nightcast Media, chief content creator, and apparently foe of Chaz Pearson, Nick Hamilton. How are you, Nick? Man, stop trying to paint that negative narrative, man. We are not <laughs> I say that in jest. I say that in jest. How are you, Nick? Thanks yeah. for, for jumping on. Nick, you are my brother, and we have had our disagreements, especially this morning, over this damn article. And, you know, quite frankly... I can publicize it because we talked about it off air. Uh, I felt like you were trolling me a little bit and you clarified that you weren't and you clarified also where you're, where you stand uh, in reference to Jeannie bus specifically, as well as the Laker team and the organization. Tell me, let me just, let's get right into it. What were some of your takeaways from this article uh, that Bill Plasky wrote? Number one, do you think it was a good article for one in terms of the content? And number two, what were some of your major takeaways from this article? I mean, I thought it was a good article that Bill Plasky wrote, but also, too, I thought it was very unnecessary by Jenny Buss. I think what she did with that article, whoever put her up to doing it, I think really did her a disservice because all of the stereotypes or the narratives that have already been pushed, she echoed them, whether they, whether they were accurate or not. And the thing about it is, Jenny, there's a lot of stuff that Jenny didn't have to say. Like, she didn't have to come out with this article. There was no reason for her really to come out with this article, right? The fact that, and I, I, I understand it from a PR perspective, right? Like from a publicist perspective, you got to get out there. You got to get in front of certain things that are being said or things that you feel are may or may not be true. And I get all of that. She did say in the article that she felt like she was quiet for too long. Well, sometimes silence is golden. And sometimes the less you say, the better it is. Because people are going to formulate their opinions no matter one way or the other, whether it's the truth in front of them or it's, it's a sensational lie. You know, it's, it doesn't matter. Dang, you know, dangerous lies and, and, and eventful rumors. 
You know what I'm saying? And that's that's what where we are with this Lakers organization. And it made her look worse because she named like 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 she was a part of the village people. It was like 50 different people. Oh, we got Linda and Kurt Rambis. We got Bill Jackson's now part of the mix. Now Magic Johnson is back part of the mix. Is this the same Magic Johnson that left you high and dry on the fly that called an emergency press conference at a game and said, I'm not going to be back? And left and criticized also the hiring of Frank Vogel? Magic Johnson that said he felt Rob Palenka stabbed him in the back? That would be that guy. guy that you, the guy that you bring back into the fold to get advice? With Rob, along with, with Linda and Kurt Rambis, along with Phil Jackson and God knows who else. And there were two names in that article that I did not see that are probably a part of this brass too. Rich Paul and LeBron James. Now LeBron was mentioned, but yes. Named all of these people. It makes you look like you can't make a solid decision. This is why I've always said, and I'm not saying that Jeannie isn't a smart businesswoman. I get, I've always given her credit for that. Always thought Jeannie was a very smart businesswoman. Always thought that Jeannie had the, the the junction to do what she needed to do to get the job done. But when you have all these people in your ear, you don't look like a solid decision maker. When you look at other teams, as we spoke about this morning, when you look at other teams around the league, when you look at the Dallas Mavericks, there's one owner, Mark Cuban. That's not to say that Mark Cuban doesn't have a roundtable of folks. But the end-all, be-all is Mark Cuban. Yeah. Look at the Miami Heat. It's Mickey Arison and the godfather himself, Pat Riley. That's it. Not to say that they don't have a brass of people that they consult with. When you look at the Golden State Warriors ownership, you know who the owner is. Now, yeah, they have, a, they have some people, but the main person in charge is the guy that is, that is, that is, that's going to make the decision. Steve Ballmer with the Los Angeles Clippers. You know Steve Ballmer is the end-all, be-all. Lakers franchise, you don't know who the hell is saying what. I feel like they're pulling her in many different directions. And how can you have clarity to make the sound decisions when you have all these people in your ear? It doesn't make on, sense. Let me push back on that can a little I, bit, though. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'll throw it to you real quick, Chris. No, no, go ahead. I, I think that it's the same thing in all these organizations. It's just that the people that are in her ear and advising her – just so happened to be one of the best coaches of all time. Just so happened to be one of the best players of all time in Magic Johnson and Phil Jackson. Just so happened to be a former player and former champion in Kurt Rambis, whose wife just so happens to be the advisor as well. I think that gets luck. I think that looks over as, gets looked over as well. And all these different teams have multiple people that are in their ear. And she said in the article that the buck ends with her, but. She hasn't empowered Rob Palenka the way that I would have liked her to, especially as he was elevated after Magic Johnson left. Chris, let me say this real quick before. Let me say this real quick before Chris jumps in. Let me let me respond to that really quick before Chris jumps in, if I may. You mentioned all their resumes, but those were not the resumes that we're talking about currently. Bill Jackson couldn't pick a good coach out of a lineup. It's the same guy in the, with the New York Knicks organization that was a disaster. Magic Johnson. Also wanted to pick certain people. Same Magic Johnson, as I mentioned earlier, that said that the, the man that they picked as a general manager stabbed him in the back. How are you going to consult with all of these people? Like I said before, you talk about Kurt Linda Rambis, what the hell they got to do with anything? I'm talking about you have to make a sound decision. 
You have to be the one that makes the decision. And like I said, if you got all these people in your ear, how the hell can, from an ocular standpoint, the perception is she can't make a sound decision on her own because you got 50 million people in your ear. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. No, and that's a great point. And I think the issue with Phil, Magic, Linda, whoever, is they are giving her advice in an unofficial capacity. That is really the problem here. No, but I'm saying Phil Jackson is not an employee of the Lakers. He's not getting any sort of payment. Magic Johnson left. So, I mean, unless he's getting back pay or something, he is not part of this organization in in an unofficial capacity. When the Dodgers have set up a brain trust, there was structure. You've got the Guggenheim group. You've got Stan Kasten. Then you've got Andrew Friedman. And yes, he surrounded himself with Josh Burns, Farhan Zaidi, uh, Alex Anthopoulos at one point in time. But what's the difference? They had a structure. Those guys were in an official capacity and the Bucks stopped with Andrew Friedman and everybody knew it. No matter if it was Stan or Peter Goober or Mark Walter or any of the other guys, you knew it was Friedman. We don't know if Rob Palenka has the last word when it comes to personnel decisions. And the he fact doesn't. that Jeannie is letting this go on shows a lack of organization, lack of structure. And guess what? If it starts at the top, Nick, it's going to trickle down to the bottom. You know and, this. And, and those are valid points, which is why I'm saying Rob Palenka, she put Rob Palenka on blast and she put him on notice that he has a year to turn it around, basically. If you read that article, she basically said in so many uncertain terms, got a year to turn this around because I'm tired of going into the luxury tax and coming up shorter than Emmanuel Lewis at a urinal. That's exactly what she was basically saying because if they're going to spend all of this money, but here's the problem. You're signing the checks. So you are agreeing to people like Westbrook coming on knowing full damn well it did not fit the personnel on the floor. You knew if you if you listen to your people like you claim to be listening to your people now, and if and I'd be willing to bet Rob Palenka or somebody said, look, the best fit to, to compliment a guy like LeBron James in his latter or in his golden years to surround him with shooters. Everybody, including us on this podcast, have said you have got to surround LeBron with shooters. Yeah. That's the best way to keep him afloat. Maybe get him somebody off the bench that can maybe handle the ball a little bit more so you don't have to always bring up the ball for three quarters. Maybe let him go a little bit more in the fourth quarter because that's what you want him to close out. But everybody in their mama, Stevie Wonder, saw that. So how can you all of a sudden now say, I want to listen to all of these people when the problem has persisted for the last two seasons after you won the world championship? So to me, it's to me, it's kind of lazy to say, oh, I got to depend on all of these people. Why didn't you depend on your general manager? Like Chad said, how come you to give that 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 vote of confidence or that push with Rob Palenka, a guy that you said basically you chose over Magic because you went with Rob Palenka once Magic departed and said, this is our guy. Sure. And I'm not in the brand. I'm not in the rooms. I don't have any sources. None of that crap. None. Yeah. But I'd be willing to bet. I'd be willing to bet Rob was not 100% on board with the Russell Westbrook trade. Russell Westbrook trade. No. I'd be willing to bet because he knew as a basketball person, look, man, this doesn't make sense. But somebody had to sign off on it. Care to guess who signed off on it? Since they said they're the last word, they're the head honcho, Jeannie Buss. So you got to, like I said before, you got to give blame, not just to Rob Palenka, not just to LeBron James, who orchestrated this stuff, but you also got to give some blame to Jeannie Buss because she signed the checks. 
she okayed it, and which is she, another reason why she gets the she gets the most blame. And just to reference, just to reference factually for the people that don't know and haven't read the article, really quick, she says, I "quote I'm a collaborator, collaborator, that's my nature, as opposed to a sole decision maker. The buck stops with me, but I'm not the sole decision maker." Pretty much she likes to be able to get different people's opinions in, in order to do that. And really quick for Rob Palenka, she says he's a very, he is a person that is extremely smart, extremely strategic. Everything he does is thoughtful and with purpose. I have complete confidence that he can put together a roster and find a coach that's going to get us back to where we belong. And last thing before we go on, this he she addresses Russell Westbrook as well and says that it's premature to address that situation because they have to find a coach first. So she doesn't make, she doesn't say anything about Russell. She, she gives a vote of confidence for Rob. She defends Linda and Kurt Rambis. I get why it's all over the place and why it may seem like that, but I understood where she was coming from. She but wants I just, to be I just, surrounded. I just don't think, I just don't think that we're as that she's as far off as, what some people are making it seem to be. She just won the championship two years ago. Right. There's no reason why she should sell the team. There's actually, she it's in a trust, so she can't sell the team without a four out of six vote with her siblings. So right. it's it's a lot of different stuff going on. Oh, and I understand what she's saying, and I hear where, where you're coming from. Here's the problem with this collaboration thing. If it's not structured in a certain way, now everybody's got a voice. And now everybody's trying to assert authority. And who the heck knows who actually has Jeannie's best interests in mind? That's the thing. So, yes, the buck has to stop with her. That's, that's accurate. And, 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 Nick, I know you and I agree on this. I think Jeannie Buss has done as far as in a male-dominated business, because we don't have a ton of female owners in, in any of the four major sports. But she has done an amazing job with, with the Lakers, even behind the scenes, the years that she was working with her dad and, and even occupied uh, a role alongside her, her brother, Jim, when, when Jim was running the uh, was, was VP of operations or, or president of a, a basketball operations. The problem is, Chaz, collaboration and structure should work somewhat hand in hand. And I feel that it's not because you're listening to too many people in an unofficial capacity or in the case of Linda Rambis, I know she kind of, you know, put out some fires like, Oh, Linda's not making basketball decisions, but reality uh, hindsight's 2020 for a lot of people. So when you, you may say that, but why is she and even her husband in a position where they've got that much influence, a seat at the table is fine. Bill Burtka had a seat at the table. Bill Sharman had a seat at the table. But were they making final decisions? No. Those, those, that came down to Jerry West or Mitch Kupchak or, or, or somebody else through the years. So the collaboration with the structure has got it. It's a very close and tight fit. And if it's not done right, guess what happens? Chaos. Disorganization. So, Nick, how do you think that it's going to shake out with the rest of this off season. I think that Laker fans and all of us should be prepared for Russell Westbrook to be on the roster come opening night. Do you think that that's likely? I think it's more like 60, 40, but what do you think about it? Well, I'm not, I don't wave a bunch of purple and gold pom-poms, but I will say this much. Ain't I will say truth. that. No, I do not. I, I'm the voice of reason. Um, but what I will say is 
I think you you may have a point there, Chaz. I think we will see Russell Westbrook on the on the team again, and they'll make every excuse that they can to keep him on the team. And well, we all know there's one or two reasons why he's still on the team. One, nobody's going to take that big loaded contract that that even though it's an expiring contract, no no team is going to be able to take that. And or they're going to be in delusional world thinking that, oh, because of the injuries, let's see if we can run it back with a healthy squad. It ain't going to matter if it's healthy or, or unhealthy. It doesn't fit. You can't, you, you know, it doesn't. This is why I, I say that the Lakers are in complete disarray because they have, as Chris said, they have no structure and they really have no plan. They have no plan on what to do or not do. They had, I mean, yeah, you're shopping for a coach, but let's be clear. You're only going to get a coach that you could control. You're not going to get a coach that has their own personality, and you're not going to get a coach that's going to say, no, I'm not doing this. This, I'm going to run it this way. You're not going to get that kind of coach because you know you don't want anybody bucking back at your, at your system or your, your ecosystem. So what you're going to do is find a coach that you could control, that you can mold in a quote-unquote Laker way, to get the job done. Does Darvin, Han- does Darvin Ham fall into that category of coaches that the yep. Lakers can control? Yep. Yep. Is, is yep. he going to get a Nick Nurse? They're not going to get a Nick Nurse. They're not going to get a Mark Jackson because those two guys, they have backbones. They have won before. They have built teams to win. So you're not going to get a championship coach like Nick Nurse and say, do it this way or else. Nick Nurse is looking at you and flip you up. And he absolutely should because he's won a championship. This is a guy that's coached a team to a championship that nobody believed in against the big, bad Golden State Warriors at the time. So who do they get? They'll get some lame duck assistant coach or some lame duck coach they can control. Give me a – I don't know who that will be specifically. Terry Terry Stotts fits that mold. Of of a guy you can control, no uh, doubt about you it. You can control Terry Stotts. That's that's a good. Lord that's God, a good thing. please. Okay, Lord okay, God. hold on, hold on. Listen, but, but, in either but, capacity, Terry Stotts should be on on a coaching staff somewhere next year as an offensive-minded yeah, as assistant. assistant. As an assistant, I just said that. I just said no. That. I agree with you as an yeah. assistant, but knowing the Lakers and Chaz is going to be very disappointed because they're not going to win another championship next year. As long as LeBron James on this squad, they're never going to win another championship. They're not. I bet money. I bet you on it. I take Chaz, the Pepsi challenge on that any day. Chaz, the keys are yours to I'm that one. Willing to put it on, put something on it. I guarantee you, they're not gonna win another championship as long as LeBron James is on the squad. Put something on it. You can you can record this. Chaz, you know why? Because there's no culture. There's no structure. I gotta. And as long as LeBron, as long as LeBron, as long as LeBron, I put a bottle of wine on it. I gotta see on it. I gotta see. I gotta see. <laughs> I put a bottle of wine on it. All right, hundred dollar bottle of wine. Let's get it. All right, I put a bottle of wine on it. All right, let's. Okay. I, I, so what that, I'm saying because they have no structure because he is running the asylum, and when you allow your superstar to run everything, this is what you get, and this is why a four time champion don't matter. Did the Miami Heat do that? This was King James still. Did the Miami Heat let him run it? No. I, hey Did man. What did Pat Riley say? You do the it la- our way. His most latest one, he had a look very at, big... Look at the Miami Heat now. They're competing in the playoffs. Where are the Lakers? I but they haven't that. won anything. They haven't won anything. And who did two years ago? LeBron James, the same very person that you said yeah, couldn't do it when him in controlling things. He's controlling things, and he won two years in ago. 
In the bubble. They want it in a bubble. Okay, after but, but you see how you move in the goalpost, though, my man? You see how you, you just said something factually, and I just came back with you with facts, but now you move in the goalpost on the bubble? You see? Like... Stop. First of all, first of all stop. Stop. Put the pom-poms down. Let's, let's talk I'm facts. giving you facts. No, I'm let's giving talk. you facts. I just gave... Who was the champion no, two years ago? That was, I just said the Lakers in the bubble. Did you not hear me? I just but said why, the Lakers. Why, why got to be the bubble? Okay. We don't talk about the because Spurs in the shortened season. Dude, we don't talk about the Spurs in the shortened season in 99. We don't talk about the shortened season in okay. 2012 with the Miami Heat. One at like, a time, gentlemen. Go ahead, Chaz. Finish your comment, and then, I'm, Nick, go, go ahead. I'm just saying, man, we, all these qualifiers do we that. got, they still the champions. Don't do that. I'm not saying they weren't. I'm just saying how they became champions. In the words of Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? It, it was two years ago. Y'all still hanging off something two years ago. Look at the Miami Heat now, who are actually competing for a championship again. Where are the Lakers competing for the championships? They're at home, Capitol in Cancun. Hey, man, there's, a, there's only 20. There's only one winner. Hold on, hold on, wait, wait. Wait a minute. If you want to talk about one winner, look at Giannis from Milwaukee. One winner. Look, at, look at, okay. So again, you have other teams that are competing for championships because they didn't let LeBron control the narrative. They didn't let them control their organization. That's my whole point. Look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. They ain't done crap. They haven't even made the they sniffed the draws of the playoffs since he left. But look at the Miami but Heat. They're, but they're one of the best young teams right now. It's, take, it's taken them forever to get there. It's taken because all the time LeBron, that LeBron James has been in L.A. to get there. But, yeah, I mean, look, man, here, LeBron, let, me, let me. LeBron is only one. He's won a championship here. But the first year he came here, what did he do the first year he came to Los Angeles? Got had the Lakers at the four seed on Christmas, oh, tore his groin, and missed the playoffs. That's what okay. happened. That's factually okay. what happened. <laughs> And then what? He traded away all the young talent. Right? To win a championship. Again, another fact. He won the championship, and Anthony Davis ain't done a damn thing since. The nickname is Street Clothes. Yeah. He ain't done shit since. But also, hey, ahead, just, just, throwing, just throwing this out here. Okay, yeah. Anthony Davis is, is coming safe because he won one championship. With LeBron. LeBron had to have help. And he had to bring Anthony Davis and trade half the farm to get him. And they ain't done so Everybody twice. needs help. No, no but this is, this is the price. To... My point is this. You act like they, they're set up for multiple championships, and they're not. Step into reality for a second. They're not built and primed to win multiple championships. But the way they act, the way they want to trade for Anthony Davis was like, oh, we're primed for multiple championships. Okay. And so LeBron. One. So LeBron. LeBron James and Anthony LeBron James LeBron James and LeBron James and Anthony Davis are fully healthy for 70 games this upcoming season. They're definitely a playoff team. Are are they are they a team? I'm saying they're not a championship team. There's a difference. Listen to the terminology. They they don't have a chance. Fully fully healthy going into the playoffs. They don't have a chance to win a championship. They do. How many times do I have to say it? What language do I have to say it in? No, they don't. You are outside of your mind if you think that those players fully help Kool-Aid. Because fully. there's no logically that you can sit up here and tell me, even with a healthy Anthony Davis and right. LeBron James, we, the, we the stand the 
conference of what is in when you look at the Dallas Mavericks, you look at the Denver Nuggets, you look at the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, and let's say a healthy Los Angeles Clippers team across the hall. And you mean to tell me you're going to sit up here and think that they can still win a championship in a much tougher the Lakers got let's look at the East with the Boston Celtics with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. We, you you only you only Come have on, to man. worry about your conference though. Okay, to get to the finals. No, no, but the, what oh. Nick is saying, hold on. Let, get, you, I, said, you said win the finals. You said win the championship. So that consists of an Eastern Conference team. I, absolutely, Stop, but absolutely, but let me but okay. let me say this. It's crazy for you to think that a fully healthy LeBron James and Anthony Davis with the Lakers having seven people that are coming off of the team and are going to be replaced quite possibly on one-year deals, have 0% chance to win a championship, especially when you just saw them do it 24 months ago. But, like, but it's a different it's squad, crazy though. Thing it, it's, it's crazy I know. It's what I'm the... saying is, what was that 2018-2019 team looking like before they got – Everybody else and make the AD trade. Well, like, here's the problem. They did here's the a... exact same thing. Yes yeah, and no. The problem is, though, they had veterans who bought into – let me just get a word in here just for a second. I, feel, I told you I'm going to be Mills Lane up in here. Here was the problem. They had a good, a, a good thing going in, in, at the end of the 2020 season. The problem over the last two years is they got a rid of a lot of championship caliber pieces, veterans and guys that were still relatively young, and they went all in on star caliber players because they thought these guys were going to give the support to LeBron and Anthony Davis, and it did not work out that way. And along the way, they've lost their structure. They've lost their identity. Injuries have derailed them to the point where now they, they, they don't know what direction they're going to move into because here's the thing. Unless you move Russell Westbrook, you're not going to get a lot of those young championship caliber pieces who are going to buy into their roles that are going to best complement Anthony Davis and LeBron James uh, in order to defeat the Denver's, the golden States, the Phoenixes, the Dallas's uh, and so forth of the world. That's, that's the Lakers problem is that you've got an injury riddled star duo Chaz, and you've got a third star who's disgruntled that you don't know, even if even with the new coach with a new voice is going to be able to buy in and help elevate the squad. Not to mention, if you're stuck with Westbrook, how are you going to get any young players? You're going to be, <laughs> how are you going to get any young players? How are you going to get the youth and athleticism that you need on the perimeter that we're seeing throughout the Western Conference and these teams getting to that next level? That's the pro- that's the bigger issue that I have. Westbrook's I contract. And, and how you get better complimentary pieces that are young. Go ahead. And then, you, Nick, back to you. Hold on. Jazz first and then Nick. Go ahead, Jazz. Go ahead. The way that you are able to get young players is if you're able to pull off a trade using the expiring contract and attaching the only assets that you have in the 2027 and the 2029 pick, quite possibly, and tailing Horton Tucker to get whoever it is that you need. Now, who can you get? It depends on how long that you wait. The further along in the season that you wait and you get to the trade deadline, you never know who's going to ask out. You never know who's going to be hurt. You never know who's going to be buyers or sellers. I think that it would behoove them to go into the season. It is a bit of a risk depending upon who you hire as the coach, but I think that would be the better game plan to go. Now, you really have to rely on your own internal development. If you keep Malik Monk, if you keep Winyan Gabriel, if you keep Taylor Horton Tucker, and you got to get those guys to develop to go with 
LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, and they have to gel and be healthy. That's the only way it happens. But there is a path. I'm not act. I'm not like you guys acting like that path doesn't exist. Is it a likely path? Probably not. But is it possible? Yes. And I would like to think that that would be the way that they go. But it, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but I've been right before. We'll see how it shakes out. Nick? But it's also possible to win in Vegas off 25, off a quarter slot machine. That don't mean it's guaranteed. So there's a lot of ifs when it comes to, it's a lot of ifs when it comes to what you're saying. Now, what you're saying is not super far-fetched. I gave you a completely a reasonable ifs. explanation. It's not, like I said, it's not super far-fetched. I'm not going to knock your explanation. But what I'm saying is, my point is, there's a lot of ifs involved in that explanation. Because here's the, here's the problem. The Lakers refused to part away their 2027 first round pick, right? I'm not under the notion that they're going to all of a sudden part away with that pick now. If they do, great. But I'm not under the notion of that because they haven't done it. They're, they've been adamant about holding on to that pick for dear life. Like Bow Wow and lottery ticket holding on to that magic lottery ticket. <laughs> the ticket. Really, really quick, really quick. If you could get healed in Brogdon. If you could get healed and Brogdon back, would you do it or no? I would listen. I would. I personally would do it. Absolutely. But okay. I'm not Rob. I'm not the the many voices and the the people of many nations when it comes to the Lakers brass. I'm not that. What I will say is yeah. when you look at when you look at Russell Westbrook, and you you're probably like you said earlier, you're probably going to be stuck with them. And Chris made a good point as far as saying, look, we don't have the young players. And that's what you're going to need to surround an aging LeBron James who's going to be in his 20th season. You got street clothes, better known as Anthony Davis, who <laughs> passed 50 games. Okay? So you're going to need a whole lot of young pieces to complement, especially when, when AD goes down. Because when AD's on the floor, he's a, he's a terrific player. Right. He's an incredible player. But uh, the best ability is availability. In, more, in, in the last several seasons, except for that one year when, you, when they won the championship in the bubble, that was the longest he's played. He hadn't played that way since. And he, he had a four-month that- break in between. Keep that in mind. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, man, LeBron. That helped LeBron. That helped AD. That helped a lot of people out, man. That's all I'm saying. There's a lot of if factors. But what we know for certain is that they're not, they're, they are where they are. And if they continue to go down that road and still live in the 80s and say, Oh, we want to keep it in the family because it's daddy's wishes and daddy this and daddy that and God rest knocking the bus and so I'm not being disrespectful when I say that, but I'm saying, look, sometimes you got to make different decisions than what your parents made for you. That's how you evolve. And if you keep making the same decisions that you feel like your parents should make you, then where's your identity? Where, where is, where is your decision-making ability? Because if you're just doing what you think your dad would do, then hell, why don't we just resurrect and get the spirit of Dr. Buss in there? And what the hell are you doing in there besides filling the chip? Decision that, that make a decision that's going to change the, the dynamic of what the Lakers are. The Lakers are one of the most iconic franchises in all of sports. But they haven't been that way in years. This is why I say sell the damn team, because you need somebody with some structure. You need somebody that has a voice that says, okay, I'm the final authority. I'm the alpha and omega. And if you don't, if you can't do that, then maybe you need to step aside. Maybe y'all do need to take a vote and realize, hey, man, let's sell the team. Maybe Jim Buss was on to something. Maybe Jim Buss was right. Maybe they should have sold the team. 
because he was one of the ones that was in favor of selling the team. Yeah. Maybe he was right. Because yeah. maybe there needs to be another another face because they can't separate church and state, meaning they can't separate emotion and family from business. That's been apparent. Yeah. And 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 the collaboration thing has a lot to do with that. Either way, the Lakers are in a murky position. Do we trade Westbrook and take back a bunch of salary, which could impede our free agent options over the next few years, or go Chaz's route? We got to package off Westbrook and the picks. And not only do we lose out on potential free agents like Tatum or Mitchell, et cetera, but now we don't even have a young asset that we could maybe develop and groom over the next few years. It's a dicey situation. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, that was, uh, I'm Appreciate glad you, man. I'm glad you and Chaz were, and, and I were able to hash all of this Chaz out. Chaz is my boy, man. Chaz is my guy, man. I love it's that. Love. Dude, man. Chaz is my guy. And we ain't just saying it because it's, it's to be said, but we actually meet. So this Chaz is my guy, just like you, you're my guy. So, I mean, Chaz is my guy. I love, going, I love debating with him because I feel like he keeps me on my toes, man. He's like, a, he keeps me like a ballerina, man. I'm off my toes. I'm good. Yeah. No, it's M- much, lo- much love, man. Much love. And, uh, we solid, man. But uh, thanks again, and until next time, keep coming for me for my posts, and we'll see how this <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see how this shake out in, in in this off season. But real quick, real quick, I I'd be remiss, real quick. Who do you have in the finals? Actually, I won't even go that far ahead. Who do you have in the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals, and who should have been the MVP? Real quick, before you let Ooh, you go, I think the MVP should have been Joel Embiid. Me too. Agreed. All right. I think they, I think they, they, they missed the mark on that. They, they tried to give it to Joker, and I mean, you know, I go many ways from Sunday on that. But congratulations East, to Joker. Eastern Conference, who you got in it? Uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Milwaukee, Miami. Okay, Wes. Phoenix, Golden State. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll probably have you on again before the playoffs are over, so we'll get to see kind of what you think uh, with the finals. Uh, but again, thanks for coming on, and and we'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. You guys keep up the great work. Appreciate it. Appreciate, Appreciate you, it. Nick. Thanks, man. Well, now, w- with that being <laughs> said, <laughs> where do we go from there, partner? Hey, man. Well, we got we got to go into my favorite part of the show and close out the show the right way. The social media posts of the week. There's so many options to choose from between Drake and Jack Harlow at Churchill Downs to different Kobe memes to NBA playoffs to Kendrick coming out with this new single, Kendrick Lamar and dropping a new album. I mean, and winning time. I mean, there's so many options that you have to choose from. Chris, I got to let you start. What was the social media post of the week? Well, I think after that conversation, we could all use uh, a little bit of a ha 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 moment a little bit of a little bit of a laugh right there uh so mine comes from dr evan jeffries dpt at game injury doc and it said what did everyone expect genie bus to say she was happy that the lakers sucked and spent a bunch of money (laughs) right exactly (laughs) no like i mean that's what everybody was uh, so up in arms about this article and he he brings up a good point it's like of course genie is going to try to say that hey i'm disappointed but at the same point in time like we're the lakers we got to believe that that we're going to be in contention for the title next year so i thought it was a very insightful tweet right there (laughs) but uh what what about you man there's there's too many options to choose from but i don't want to make light 
of the Young Thug and Gunna situation with the RICO charges that have just been uh, came down on them. Very serious situation, but you got to be able to have a little sense of humor about it. And uh, the, the post of the week that I choose uh, is a post that is by at Yo-Yo Trav. And it's a picture of Westbrook at some kind. I think it's the NBA Awards with his hand over his lips looking up. And the caption reads, I heard Jack Harlow was involved, not Young Thug and Gunnins. And it's like, mm, I don't know. Like, and it's crazy because the Fulton County DA was actually asked about Jack Harlow by one of the reporters. And it was just, it, it, he had to have seen, you know, people just joking about it on Twitter and thought it was real and decided to really ask her about Jack Harlow, which is crazy in and of itself. But uh, take this time to also, you know, prayers up for Young Thug, Gunn, and the 26 others in that indictment. You know, if they really did some some stuff that they shouldn't have did, then, you know, they got to pay for it. But if they didn't, you know, prayers are that innocent men get off. So with that being said, another great show this week. Hopefully you, got, hopefully you guys were entertained by the heat that was me and Nick and Chris going back and forth about Jeannie Buss and our forever passionate fan base and franchise in the Los Angeles Lakers. You guys know where to follow me on Twitter at Chaz Pearson and on Instagram at Chaz P. Chris, where can they follow you, my man? Well, before I do that, I mean, did you like the fact that I was Mills Lane between you two, between two heavyweight champs over here? That's what it was. This was I was the referee in a heavyweight bout, and I was definitely uh, proud of that. Hey, and I even got a couple minutes to, to say something, which uh, you know, not not a, you, got, <laughs> you got some you got some stuff off. No I doubt. got I got a little bit of juice on my own podcast, right? No doubt. <laughs> Or I should say on our podcast, you can always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo or at Mills Lane. Uh, Also on Instagram, (laughs) on Instagram at C Camelo one and Facebook Camelo's corner by Chris Camelo. Great stuff, partner. How do you feel, by the way? Do we all feel better? We got that off our chest, man. And I, bro, I could, I could do that forever, bro. Like I, I grew up and this is why I like doing this podcast is so much fun for me. I grew up in barbershops, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, hearing grown men and even jumping in myself talking about, you know, the Lakers when Kobe and Shaq and, you know, what we're playing at that time. So oh, yeah. I love a good Laker, Laker debate. I live for this shit and uh, love Nick for coming on and, you know, challenging me and you challenging me day in and day out. But until next time, everyone, we'll see you guys next week with another episode of the Outlet Form Podcast. Peace. Thank you.